We're going to turn to 3 John. If you're already, if you're not there, go ahead and turn there. There's lots of chapters. This is a difficult one to get through, I guess. If any of you struggle with doing devotions or struggle with reading God's word, you know, 3 John and 2 John and Jude, they're all easy reads, but a lot in them. And uh, we're going to be there in 3 John and the word children came up, and the word truth comes up in God's word in many times, but in this, quite a bit, the word truth. We're going to discover all of that and look over all of that, but I want to open up with an illustration. As I have the privilege to meet with shut-ins and older believers in Christ, and even some that don't know Christ, and to be able to sit and talk with them. You know, money and possessions, not even health, is their biggest concern. You know what it is? It's for their children. It's for their family. I have observed this for a while now. And I see a very content individual, ready to go home to be with the Lord, as somebody who knows that their family knows the Lord, knows that their children are walking in truth. And I know and I realize for those of you, you know, Pastor Nathan, now this is talking about spiritual kids, you know, and I know that, but I need to talk about the family for a little bit. And I think it's extremely important to learn from people that are older. When I was a kid, I just loved to sit at the barbershop uh, listen to the other old farmers talk to my dad, tell them stories that passed, and I love that. And I still, I was talking with my wife, and I don't share things like this a lot, but I still visit Hazel and visit the memories of Hazel and visit the memories of, of Betty and so many others that have gone on before. And sometimes I go into the graveyard and, and just, to, just to sit and reflect on the discussions that I had with all these people who have gone on before, like Gertrude Horn and, and others. They were my friends. And you know, every one of them loved their family so much. That's what matters. That is why it is so important for parents to bring their children up in the Lord. Because you want to see, you know, all that, there is nothing worse than having to whoop a kid. I hate it. Hate doing it. I do. But I'll tell you what, the fruit of that is a peaceable one that yields. And I'll tell you, there is no pleasure in any punishment that you can give your child. And if you do have pleasure in it, then you need to really get some counsel. But I'll tell you right now, we want what's best for our children, and what's best for it comes at a price. And all the times you spend, you think that three, four, five, six, seven times a day, these poor kids got to get a whooping because they keep lying, disobeying. And I'll tell you, I have a, I have a list I could share with you. My kids are are sinners, just like everyone, everybody else's kids. 
And you know it, those of you that are teaching Awana and everything else. But they are. But that correction will profit. They will not forget. And so I want you to be encouraged as a parent to do it God's way. And not to give in. Because you will have no greater joy than to see that your children walk in truth. Let's have a word of prayer. God, we thank you for life. And we thank you for our families, the children that you blessed us with. And we thank you for the awesome responsibility that that holds. God, would we be found faithful in even our spiritual lives bringing forth children. And Lord, that we don't just bring them forth, but we see that they walk in truth. God, would you help us to be authentic in our convictions and belief in your word? God, we thank you that we have your word that never changes, that never returns void, And God, we pray that you would open our eyes so that we could behold great things from your word this morning. I pray that you are seen and not me. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have some, I just have a few illustrations. We're not going to turn there, but you know, you think of 1 Samuel, think of Hannah, how she prayed for a baby, a son. God gave her that son, and she said one thing, what was that specific thing that she promised God? Do you remember? I, I can't hear you. Come on now. She would give him back to God. I hope that's a prayer of yours. Did she follow through with that? Absolutely. Was it a difficult time? I'm sure it was. But then we look at just across the page and look at Eli, who was a priest. And I'll tell you what the verse reads here, and you don't have to turn there unless you want. It's 1 Samuel chapter number 2, verse number 12. It says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, and they knew not the Lord. If there is one thing that sobers me up, is to think that one of my children might die and go to hell. And I pray each day, to the end where they come to know Christ, but then that they live for him. And that is a prayer for all of us. We must do it, because guess what? The world will take them if you don't. It's just a matter of time. You also think of David and Absalom. Think of... Those stories, and you think of, man, how David just wept and fasted and just was so torn up because of his wayward son. And then we're reminded of Onesimus in the book of Philemon. And Paul says, yeah, this guy used to be a thief, but God God has saved him. and He's he's profitable for the ministry now. He's, He's a brother now. We see those types of relationships and spiritual, as Paul was a spiritual father to Onesimus. I want to read to you before we get into 3 John, 
I get notes every once in a while from teenagers. I'm going to try to get through this because I just read just a few of their main points. And you say, what brings you the most joy in ministry? It's these. Pastor Nathan, I got to lead my first person in the Lord. Pastor Nathan, um, taught my first lesson in Sunday school today. These are longer notes, believe me. But Pastor Nathan, I believe God is really calling me to be a pastor. Pastor Nathan, I know God wants me to be a missionary. Pastor Nathan, please pray for me. I think, I think God is calling me <clears throat> to be a missionary. That's another one. Pastor Nathan, Nathan, thanks for sharing the gospel with me. I, got, I just talked to my mom, and I decided to accept Christ. Pastor Nathan, God really spoke to me tonight, and I, I've decided to start living like a Christian. Pastor Nathan, last week I wanted to kill myself. Since I heard that God has a purpose for me, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, that's joy. And uh, each of you that have been able to accept the responsibility to all of us and share the gospel... We have the awesome opportunity sometimes, and not in every situation, but to lead somebody to Christ. That is joy, my friend. That is joy. Some in this room, whether you're young or old, maybe have never experienced that, and I'm telling you, you are missing. You're missing your calling and what God's will is for your life. There are people that need to hear the gospel, and you know what? I can't reach them. Stan can't reach them, but you can. You're there. That is what we're talking about today. We're talking about changed lives. We're talking about the ministry. We're talking about not just now, but our future. Investing the time, just like we should with our own children. Our flesh and blood. So let's begin in verse number 1. Our goal is to see that our children walk in truth. That's everyone's goal here. Not every one of our children are going to, be, going to accept Christ. And I've talked to parents that have just blamed themselves from whatever, but listen, they have a choice. Your job is to give them the opportunity to be in church, to hear God's word, and to be obedient to it. We can't make our children. Man, if we could make our children, I'd be first in line. If we could, you know, I don't know. I don't know how we could do it. But man, I wish all of our kids would come to know Christ. But you know what? The sad fact of the matter is they have a free will. And that's a good thing, though. That's a blessing that we all have a free will. If some of your children, you're still praying for their salvation. Continue. Who knows whether God can answer, will answer that prayer or not. Pray 
for those. But in this chapter, John, the Apostle John, the Apostle that the Lord loved, loved, loved to listen to John. In the Passion play, he'll be here basically holding Mary up because Mary does a great job playing Mary, Sally, I'll tell you. And I played John one year, and I think I held you up for 45 minutes, Mary, Sally, I'll tell you. It was, but you do a great job. And John was close. He was always there. And he saw Christ. He saw the reality of what, how he had to live his life. And John is writing to somebody that was that heard the gospel through John and was able to come to know Christ. Gaius was one, or Gaius, I'm sorry, was one of one that came to know Christ under the Apostle John's ministry. Is there anything better than that? Well, as we look here at verse 1, it says, The elder unto, which is John, speaking of John, unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that they, thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. And we're going to park here for just a second. As we look there at first, verse 1, whom I love in the truth. What's the truth there? Can somebody tell me what the truth is there? What is the truth? You guys are quiet. Truth is the gospel. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter number 6, real fast. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter number 6, and I need to grab a drink of water. Talking about our spiritual warfare, the armor that we must put on each day. It says there in verse number 14, it says, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. The idea here in this Ephesians chapter 6 is to have this belt or a girdle on. Something that keeps things together. Something that keeps you from having to worry about things coming undone. Just think about a belt. And it's talking about the gospel. And what you and I have believed in. What keeps us together as Christians. It is the gospel. What keeps you together. What keeps you from ending it all is to know the gospel. It's wrapped so tight around you that you cannot be moved. It says, stand, therefore. The word stand. We think about being steadfast and unmovable. We cannot be moved. When the question is come, is Jesus the only way we can get to heaven? Yes! <laughs> he is! Not by another man, not by through any, any sacrifices, not by any works that you've done. It's only through Jesus Christ. That is what keeps us tight. That's what helps us to not be moved. And if, my friend, if we can't get this belt on, we aren't going to know who we are. Those of you that are struggling, whether you're young or old, saying, I just don't know if, I, I know if I'm saved or not, listen, 
You are forgetting the, the belt. You're not having your loins girt about with truth. The truth is the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is this. You need to be saved. You are in need. That's the truth. You need to understand that you are a sinner. I needed to understand that I'm a sinner. And you know what? I still am a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. And we need to understand that with this truth, we are in need of that. We have the opportunity then to say, I need you, God. The truth is, I can't do it myself. The truth is in you. And so, in Ephesians, when it talks about putting on the, the armor of God, the first thing that's going to hold you together is to know the gospel. The gospel changes your life. And as you continue to grow in the Lord, the gospel is what you grow from. You should be about the work of the truth in your life. And I need that as well in mine. We should be about the gospel. And John is saying here in verse number one, whom I love in the truth. You're my son. You're my spiritual son. And, and I wish we could have a hands raised and say, hey, you know, who led you to the Lord? Some of you, they're in this room. Some of you, like Kevin Cass' age and that, they've grown up in this church. I don't know Kevin's, you know, when he got saved when he was a little kid or whether he was older, but... You know, he mentioned at, the, at the, um, the men's retreat that he remembers people teaching him in Awana. You know, it's so important that we give the gospel. It's so important that that legacy is left and you are about it now. Kevin, you're still here. I'm thankful for that. You know, there are some that aren't here. And as we go on, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Now we're going to look at this verse. John's saying, my prayer is that for your health. Every one of us gets sick. Poor Madsons, I was so looking forward to... to to hearing what John and Ruth had to say. I love those people. They got the flu. How, you, how many of you have been sick this year? Well, I'm right there in that category. You know, we got to pray for our health, but guess what we don't have to pray for? We don't have to pray for our soul. Because if we are Christians, we're going to heaven. It's prospering. I mean, there's nothing to lose. It's great. But our bodies, it's, per it's, it's perishing day by day. We know that. I'm almost 30. Jed is 30. I just wanted to let you know that. He's 30 now. And, and uh, you know, I said, what's it like to have a 30-year-old body, Jed? <laughs> if you tell me what it's like to have a 30, I'll tell you how, what it's like to have a 29-year-old body. I'm just joking. Anyway, it's important that we pray for each other about health. But we don't have to pray for each other about our spiritual, whether we're going to heaven or not. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, 
even as your soul prospers. I want you to look at, at John chapter 5, verse 24. John 5, 24. Pastor Carl's favorite verse, loves this verse. John 5, 24. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but be passed from death to life. That's what we have to look forward to in Christ. I love it when the Bible just teaches us. Listen, we have the opportunity once we're saved we come to know Christ. We say we can't do it through, without, with any, through anything else, by our works or anything. It's only through Christ. And then we have this peace. We have this assurance that through the gospel, I'm never going to be moved. I am passed from death to life. He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me, that's it. That's it. Christian, take a hold of that. Find strength. Our strength is in the Lord. First part of that strength is knowing who He is, what He's all about, and knowing that we're saved through Jesus Christ. So take a hold of that. Those of you that are wary and and wondering, I don't know if I'm going to get to heaven, it's all through Christ. Get a hold of that, and you stay a hold of that. Don't be moved. You say, why do you keep bringing that up? Because I keep having people in my office saying, I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. It's time to stop and realize that Jesus Christ is able to save your soul. And he's able to keep what he's committed, you committed unto him against that day. He is powerful, he has created you, and have faith in the God of gods. Believe that he is. Now, as we go on, back to first, third John, in verse number three, as we continue, we talked about what the truth is, and we're going in here. It says, "Is the evidence of the gospel on your life? Do you live it?" unashamed before men. Remember, our goal is to see that our children walk in truth. One of the difficulties that parents have as I am seeing this and I'm learning in my own family is an inconsistency with their children. Say you have a child and you say, you're not allowed doing this or saying this. It's a rule, and then you do it. That's inconsistency. Everyone in this room has been inconsistent at, at times. Everybody. But in the big things, you want your children to walk in truth. 
I have parents come in, what are you going to do with my kid? What are you going to do with your kid? How are you living? The kid wants to come in and have a meeting with me, or, or the parents send the kid in to, to have a meeting, or, or, you know, it doesn't have to be a teenager. It can be a young adult. Oh, you need to meet with him. How about I meet with you first? Because I want to know what's going on in your life. That's the important thing. Children will learn from who they're with. Your children know you the best. To be consistent is really life. It's that important. Teach your children the right way. Because the right way is so, it's, it's not easy. It's difficult. It takes work. But it will all pay off. When you're that age where you can't get out anymore, and you hear that, oh, you get your, your children, your grandchildren come over, hey, guess what I learned in Sunday school today? That's joy. That's peace. The most insecure person, people, group that I've ever met are elderly people that just have children that are all over the place. They cannot concentrate. Every conversation is about, you need to talk to them about this. You need to tell them, Pastor. I've already told them three or four times. You need to tell them again. I'm afraid they're going to die and go to hell. It's hard for a lot of us to understand that because... We're not there yet. We think, oh, the world will fix them, or somebody else, you know, we'll pray that a mentor comes into their life and everything will be fine. It's time that we do our responsibility. And as a believer in Christ, do your responsibility in sharing the gospel and in discipleship and bringing them up, setting an example. People wonder... Well, you know, I, I, want to, I want you to come out to church and you're going in there to buy some cigarettes. <laughs> no, cigarettes, not smoking them is not in the Bible. Okay? You know? And if you want to say, well, since it's not in the Bible, I can do it, that's okay. But the understanding behind that is this. That if you are not separating yourselves, as far as the, the Corinthians tell us, that all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. How would you like it if I walk in and say, hey, I'm the youth pastor at Northside Baptist Church. Can I get some cigarettes and do you want to go to church? The lost world will look at me and say, well, you're no different. Why should I have to change? Living a life that's consistent before your brothers and sisters in Christ, your children in the faith, is that important. You know, I've got to share something that uh, I don't like to share because it's, a, it's, a, it's something that I, uh, something that I messed up on in ministry and a couple years into this ministry. I can, you know, teenagers, they love to tease, they love to do things, and had this one teenager say some things just joking around, but he said some things that were bad towards, towards my wife. Just, you know, that's just the lingo out there. Yes, it was wrong, but the kid's not saved. Actually, the kid just had gotten saved maybe months ago, but he was just, just really difficult. And you know, you know what I did? 
I didn't say, you know what, I'd appreciate it if you would stop doing that. You know what I did? I flew off the handle. I told him, don't you ever talk to my wife about my wife like that. And I was in his face. And I was serious. And I had to apologize to him for the way that I acted. But you know what? He's not been back. You know, some of you would say, well, you should have. No, no, shouldn't have. It's a regret that I have. He's forgiven me. But that helped him to lose focus. Because here I am saying to love each other, be able to, you know, live and walk in the Spirit, and here I am in the flesh just like that and lashing out. And I love my wife, and I'd do anything to protect my wife. But that wasn't what this lamb was coming for. You know, I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. We all have those times in our lives where we've failed. But it can really seriously impact the, the spiritual growth of another believer if we are not being consistent. As we move on, <clears throat> it says this. Our key verse, our key text here. Well, we'll go into, we'll read the rest of verse 3. It says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. You know, this is important. I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of your truth. Think of John and think of him just as he's in Ephesus and he is just, you know, he's there and he's hearing of this. What a blessing to hear that Gaius is walking in truth. And guess what happens when us as believers are walking in truth? You start to be recognized. You start to be seen as somebody that can be trusted, somebody that loves other people, and that you will be able to minister even more in a greater capacity. And it says... In verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. No greater joy. Thank God for that. Reminder, this is what really matters. Those of you that are discipling somebody, you take the time. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be real easy to just read through your lessons and get done. Oh, it's been an hour, we've got to leave. You've got to take the time, answer questions, talk to them about the difficult things. That's what you are leaving a legacy. You want to be seen in that person. You want them to glorify Christ. How are you doing? It says in verse 5, Beloved, Beloved, thou doest, dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest to, bro, to the brethren and to strangers. It's a, this is just going to be a short list of things that are, that are done that are something that a Christian ought to be about doing. And it's this, beloved, you are faithful whatsoever you do to the brethren just like to strangers. I want you to look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, real quick as we continue. 
time is slipping away. Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10 says this. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto who unto them who are of the household of faith. You know what? You as a believer need to be about the business of doing good to all men. Yes, especially to those of the household of faith, but to all men. To people that disappoint you. Children that fail you. Friends that you thought were friends. Do good. You're doing it for the Lord. It says, beloved, and back there in 3 John, beloved, you're doing it. Whatever you do, you do it faithfully to the brethren and to strangers. Are you about that business? It's just asking you questions today. It's not a hard message to, this is just something for you to get. Are you doing this? Is this implemented in your life? Gaius obviously, Gaius has all obviously learned this from John. He's learned it. And this says, verse 6, which have borne witness of thy charity. You see, Gaius had Charity, he had love. He would help people. You know, a couple weeks, a few weeks ago, my brother was out, and, and I, I just think it's so important that I say this. My brother is one of the most faithful men that I know. I love Davy to death. He gets on my nerves a lot, and I get on his. But he's my brother, we can do that. But we're driving, and it seems like every time we're together... There's something that, you know, this time it was we were coming to church and here's this lady along the side of the road. She is driving on a rim. That's all she has. Her, and Ryan Gordney, don't even laugh at me. Yes, I changed the tire, okay? I'll tell you, that guy teases me to no end. But anyway, as we go on, we're, we turn around. I have my van loaded with kids. He has his van loaded with kids. And we turn around and this lady looks at us and we're in our suits and she's like, well, I, you know, she didn't even know what to say. I said, well, let's change your tire. Oh, you guys are dirty. And I said, no, 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 no. Come on now. Let's just do this. So we get this tire out, and we change her tire, and it's all wet and cold, freezing cold. And the kids are all going, hi, what's your name? What's your name? <laughs> so she goes over, and she talks to the, the a little bit. You know, she goes over there, and, and she, sees, she waves to the kids, especially Sadie. That's just Sadie. All, that's what she does. And she doesn't know a stranger. And we changed this lady's tire, and you know what? Come to find out that she knows somebody in this church. Little Sierra Bradley, I got it right. Sierra Bradley, she knows. And she goes, she, I told her, I said, do you go to church anywhere? I said, well, I go to church. I didn't tell her who I was. I just said, I go to church at Northside Baptist Church. You ought to come out. And she goes, you know, there's somebody was telling me... A girl from your church that was telling me about Northside, and I can't. I said, Sierra Wilbur. <sighs> Bradley. And Sierra Bradley, and she goes, That's it. 
She's been on me for a long time to come to church. Sierra, that is what you're supposed to be doing. And isn't it interesting that the youth pastor and his brother just happened along to help this lady out? That is how ministry works. I didn't feel like that. Believe me, we were a little late already. We were a little late coming into church, and we just, you know, I didn't feel like stopping. But when I saw her, I'm like, you know what? I got to do this. We got to stop. Davy had already stopped, man. He was turning around. It's just what we do. It seems like every time we're together, something like that happens. It's really cool to be able to do that. But he sees, you see the charity in, in Gaius, and there, before the church, whom if you bring for, forward on their journey after a, goodly, a godly sort, thou shalt do well. I believe that Gaius was somebody that sent help to other people, was able to, to sustain them, sent protection. I believe that. He was a good man. He learned it from John. He was a good man, the Apostle John. We're not going to go into all that, what he's done, but you know, verse number 7, because that for his namesake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. You know, one of the biggest things is we get into, you see these people on the, not all the people on TV, but a lot of these people that are pastors or whatever, hey, we, I know there's somebody out there that's going to send us $10,000. That's what it's there for. It's like, give me a break, Jack. You know, you are using people. You're wrong. You know what? Giving the gospel is free. It's free. Got to have a funeral in here. You think, well, a funeral, that shouldn't be happy. There was like 150 people in here that never set foot inside this church. The church smelled like smoke after they left. You guess what, though? They all heard the gospel. Isn't that great? You know, still people coming back from that funeral to visit our church. You know, that was free. They said, well, we, we don't have any money to pay. I said, I don't want any money. I'm sharing the gospel. Are you kidding me? I don't want any money. That's, the gospel is free. We should be about the business of giving it out. Because that is what binds us. That is what keeps us strong is to know who we believed. We know what has been done with our soul. We have been passed from death to life. Take encouragement today in that. As we, can, as we conclude, <clears throat> it says in verse 8, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers in the truth. The last thing I want to leave is we need to have unity. If you want to see our children, you want to see your children, children in the faith or your children, they need to see a unity. They need to see a unity. The children in, in the home need to see a unity with mom and dad in correction and in instruction and in love. They've got to see a unity. And you know what? In the church, an unsaved person or somebody who just came to know Christ need to see unity here. 
They need to see that this is how God works. They need to be able to see the Lord, not a bunch of attitudes. Oh, I just about sat down. Who put this up there? Come on now. Trying to sabotage me. Probably Pastor Carl. Anyway, I want you to look at, I want you to look at Ephesians real quick. We're going to go back to that in chapter 4, and we're going to close down. Ephesians chapter number 4, we're going to close down here with this. The unity. To see your work in the Lord come full circle brings no greater joy. I got some cross references here, but time is not permitting us. 1 Thessalonians 2 19 to 20, Hebrews 12 2. Oh, I got to read that. Stay there. I'll read it. I'll read it. I love this about the Lord. I'm going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to look up 1 Thessalonians. Sorry to cut into your eating time, Dave. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19 and 20 says this, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, it says, "Who Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Christ willingly and gladly died for you. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Oh, I just love that. And because of that, because of that eternal hope, in verse number Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. It says in verse 13, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, and a perfect man, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The unity. People, these young, these young people that are coming up through, those that are older that have trusted Christ, we have got to set the example of unity. No complaining. No, oh, I don't like these curtains. I don't like the carpet. Dave Single picked that out, so take it up with him. No complaining. Look at spiritual things. Get along with each other. Learn from the greatest example, which is Jesus Christ. And live your life accordingly. I hope that we continue to fulfill and see our greatest joy take place in our lives and in this church. There are a lot of your families that I pray for because of children or grandchildren that have gone away from the Lord. And we're going to continue in prayer about that because God can change them. And there is still hope. And don't you ever give up. And those of us know lots of people that maybe should be at church on Sunday. 
but aren't there because they've been hurt or because they're not walking with the Lord. Let's be consistent with them. Now, one of the biggest things I think is this, and I've heard this this weekend, being consistent before problems happen. All of a sudden, when problems happen, every brother and your brother wants to come out there and say, hey, you know, this is, this is what's going on. Hey, you know, you need to pray about this, or I need to, you know, what are you doing? They want to get in your business when, when those things happen. I, we shouldn't be about that. We should be, we should be helping and sharpening each other before, so that those things don't happen. Do you understand what I mean? We need to be about protecting each other, sharpening each other. No greater joy. Some of you experience joy. You're experiencing joy right now. Some of you older folks, don't forget that. Pass it on, just like John did to Gaius. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Could you just stand to your feet, please? I'm going to make this real simple. I want everyone to just... Really take a personal time to look at yourself right now. Some of us don't do that. We, sometimes our eyes go to somebody else and say, well, they really need this. Look at yourself. I don't know what your state is here. I don't know whether you have families going in problems and the troubles, or whether you have children that are just everything is, God is just blessing everything is there. And there's a whole bunch, a myriad of things in between. This is the time to get those things right. If you're a wife or a husband, you say, you know what, things aren't in unity in my home. Right as we speak, get it right with God. You're a husband that's just thrown in the towel, get it right with God. God will not bless you until you conform to him. Some of you here, I don't know, in a room this large and crowd this large, may not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And because of that, you have no peace in your life, you have no hope, you don't know what in the world. If you were to die, you don't know whether you go to heaven or hell. Listen, today you can know. You see, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. This is the truth. And he rose again the third day. You think about that. If you're here and you say, Pastor Nathan, I'm not saved. I need you to pray with me. Is there anybody like that? Say, Pastor Nathan, I'm just not saved. I want to know how to be saved right now. Anybody. Don't be afraid. You lift your hand. I have never trusted Christ as my Savior. I see your hand. Anyone else? Pastor Nathan, I'm not saved. This is the first step in gaining peace in your life and to passing it on. And this is what you do. You simply, where you're at, you say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. And without you, I'm going to go to hell. God, I want to accept you. I want to accept your son as my savior today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and he rose again and I believe that that's the truth. 
If you've prayed that prayer and you believe that with your heart, you are saved. Could you lift your hand and we'd be able to pray for you? Mm -hmm. I see it. Anyone else? There's an altar down here. Rather large one. But if we come in here, if you say, you know what, Pastor Nathan, I just need to come down and I need to get some things right. I need to pray here. There's nothing wrong with that. You do it. And some of you, some of us may need to take care of our family matters. Get it done. Why? Because we want to be able to see our greatest joy fulfilled, that our children walk in truth. Let's pray.